Well, what a privilege to invite a friend, someone I've, we're getting to know more and more. We go to the same church here in Grand Rapids, but her name is Sarah Blue. And uh, Sarah, just welcome to the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Let me just tell you a little bit more about Sarah. Fascinating background, and we're going to get into that some. <clears throat> she is currently the Director of Benevolence at Calvary Church here in Grand Rapids. Again, the church that Marsha and I are uh, privileged to attend, along with a lot of other people. But listen to her, her amazing background. Uh, in the distant past, believe it or not, Sarah was herself addicted to very hard drugs, but through the grace of God, she has now been in long-term recovery, which means being off of opiates and other drugs for over 15 years. Mm -hmm. But following her own freedom from drugs, Sarah has done much to help many others to find help. She's done a number of trainings and speaking engagements all over our country on topics of trauma-informed care, medicated assistant treatment, assisted treatment, and recovery-oriented systems of care. For the last 12 years, she's been doing outreach with people who are experiencing homelessness and discovering how to support those individuals and better their lives. Part of her work was as being director with Unlimited Alternatives, which is a nonprofit which serves 140 people a day experiencing homelessness, substance abuse issues, and severe mental health issues. You can just see her caring heart that comes through what she's done. And I think you're going to see that as we talk. But most significantly, Sarah was born again as a true follower of Jesus Christ almost four years ago. Hello. And as a result, she is now more than ever passionate to serve all people who might be in a time of need by sharing the gospel with them and clearly showing them Christ's love, mercy, and grace. So again, Sarah, thank you for taking time just to be with us today. So I appreciate that. Couldn't be more thrilled to be here. Thank you. Uh, you're so kind. I know you're a busy person there at Calvary, but thanks for taking a few minutes to just chat. Absolutely. So a little bit more about your life. Uh, again, as, as I understand it, you know, your mother attends our church. She's been a Christian for many years, I presume. I'm as long sure, as I've known her. I'm sure she <laughs> was praying for you as you went through the, the issues you went through. So tell me a little bit, how did how did things happen where you went into a pretty deep hole dealing with drugs and very serious drugs, in fact? Tell the story, yeah. would you? <clears throat> yeah, um, the story takes so long to tell, so I'm going to give the abridged version. Okay. Uh, I, um, you know, had a lot of trauma in my childhood, like you said, amazing mother, woman of God. Um, but you know, there was a lot of generational trauma in our family on my father's side and that kind of spilled over into my mm -hmm. life. Um, and although I attended church, I guess, even back then, the idea of who Christ was, um, was not like a friend and a comforter and like somebody to have an intimate relationship with. It was more of a judgmental, pharisaic type thing. So I didn't really feel like I could go to him um, and quickly really relied on, you know, in high school, getting attention from boys, something that I was kind of needing from a lack of having a father who was there for me, um, which also then led me into, you know, smoking pot, drinking on the weekends with my friends at 14. Um, and, uh, 
I ended up by the time I was 20, very heavily addicted to heroin. Um, so that's, that's a real serious drug, isn't it? That's something you inject right into yep. your system. Wow. You can snort it too, but I injected it. Um, and you know, the first time I used heroin, I had thought I had found the answer. Um, I had never felt so happy in my entire life. And I mean, that's the devil's lie. That's the deceit behind drugs. Sure. It mimics the, the closeness that you actually, now I feel with Christ in my life. It mimicked that back then, um, but it's not sustainable. Yes. So it ends. And it also has this other side because it's a lie from the devil. So it has this side that you get completely sick without it. And you're willing to steal and lie and just sin all day long to get one more feeling of what mimics that goodness. Sure. So, so, uh, you know, I did spend 10 years really what felt like hopelessly addicted. Wow. Um, yeah. I, um, had a child in that time and had a lot more trauma and abuse that happened to me. And then realizing that I was now perpetuating my own violence on myself through what I was, how I was harming myself. Um, you know, and I, I'd love to say that it was like my born again experience happened simultaneously with my recovery experience. But it wasn't, was it? No. So it's been almost 15 years uh, in December 18 of this year. It'll be 15 years since I've used an opiate. Um, and that really happened from the uh, motivation of not wanting to lose my children. Okay. Um, for wanting to be a better mother and really knowing that I would never be able to make a better life for me and the kids in the situation we were in. Okay. Um, I also had overdosed and mm. I was awake for that overdose. So it was what they call a hot shot. So it wasn't heroin. You just kind of fall out. Um, this was uh, uppers. And so I was awake for my own demise, which was really. Wow. wow. So I had to kind of stare that in the face. And I remember thinking, um, Oh, I don't actually want to die. I just couldn't live in my own head that was tormenting me, but I didn't want to die. I wanted to be somewhere in between. And the drug served that hole a little bit for a while. Sure. And um, it was right after that, that I finally went like, I can't do this anymore and embarked on a recovery journey. Um, Did you go through like a 12 step program or what, what, what got you out? Yeah, that's interesting. So um, my route is not traditional. Um, what, what was the thing that helped me the most was, um, I was on the methadone program for a long time. I did get off about 14 years ago. Um, when used correctly, medication assisted treatment is a beautiful treatment modality, you know? Um, and I was getting a lot of trauma therapy because that's really what I needed to get to at that point in my life was mm -hmm. to walk through all of that hurt and pain mm -hmm. and all the things that had happened over the years and um, kind of recreate my own neurotransmitters, which was the, um, I went through what's called EMDR. And that was just amazing and hard. Mm. Um, the truth is though, I, I was in all ways looking like somebody who had come from the pits of hell and had built their life up. I started working in a nonprofit, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. unlimited alternatives just for a few hours a week. Within five years, I was running the entire organization, um, maintained my recovery, uh, took care of my children on my own, had my own car. I mean, I had to build all of these things with pretty much no education and not many financial supports. Um, and I was just absolutely miserable. <laughs> 
I was getting uh, awards in Detroit and getting flown all over the country. No and, kidding. Yeah. And I, I just felt um, really angry, but I still believed it was because I was lonely and needed a man. I needed to be mm-hmm. married. I needed that kind of comfort. Sure. Um, so I did end up, um, you know, kind of choosing the wrong guy again. Um, and uh, really felt I chased him and I couldn't stand that he wouldn't just be good to me. Like this was just, you know, all that I ever knew in relationships. And so, um, you know, we got to the point where in um, about 2020, no, sorry, 20, that was wrong. 2016, I think Mm -hmm. I um, was married to him and then we quickly got divorced. The funniest thing happened. So my family invite me to come to the church. Because I would come to this church, Calvary, once a year, twice a year to make my mom happy, get her off my back. And okay. she wouldn't ask me again for a while, you know. Sure. And um, Meanwhile, I'm sure she's praying for you a lot, right? Still to this day, I can't walk through here as an employee and not have five women from a Bible study say, we prayed for you for the last 16 years. Oh, I love it. Isn't that, yeah. that's an encouragement to people. Many people that will watch this <clears throat> have children or grandchildren that are like prodigals. Yes. Don't quit praying for those prodigals, right? I believe like it's the seeds we plant, we want them to be like mammoth sunflowers and you plant them and you watch them grow super yep. fast and yeah. then you have like asparagus, which can take four years to get any fruit. And you think, why did I even put that in the ground, right? It just seems yep. so stupid. Yep. And at the end of the day, it's it's the faith and the seed that's being planted. That's really good. Um, and I can see those things all through the years. And probably the the main seed that happened for me in my life was my family had wanted me to come and talk to our lead, one of our lead pastors here, Tom Olson. Yeah. Um, and they kind of, I mean, and this was just really well intentioned of them, but they kind of wanted to sit me down and have him tell me that I wasn't doing things correctly. Okay, sure. <laughs> and so it kind of felt like I'm sitting in the chair at the church, my whole family's around me. And of course, you're going to feel defensive. And, um, and, and it, I was like, I just have to get through this. And um, Tom was just great. He, he turned it on the family and said, you know, if, 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 the, if the soil is, is toxic, the plant can't grow. And so that changed everything for me that a Christian, a Christian man saw me for who I was. Like he saw something in me that I could not possibly understand because I was so used to the world's, the words for me, a junkie, you know, a user, an abuser. Mm-hmm. And so really trying to, 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 that he could see this. So I just kept coming to see Tom. So I wouldn't come to church, but almost weekly, for a very long time, Tom would take an hour out of his schedule. And I would just talk to him about my life, about work, about my marriage, about my frustrations, about my heartache of the divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was just really there for me. Um, And all of a sudden it was time to like finalize the divorce. And I'm mad. I just am mad one day and I call Tom and I'm, being very inappropriate screaming like i just don't get what you guys are talking about i'm so sick of people telling me there's a god-sized hole that only he can fill you know all the things and i'm like 
I've tried, I've prayed. I mean, I've had near death experiences where I just reached out to God and I'm like, what is it going to take for me? Yeah. um, He just said, come in tomorrow and talk to me. And I was so frustrated. I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk anymore. Well, that meeting wasn't that remarkable, except for him telling me that I didn't have to change everything about my life. Like I love the blues. I love certain artwork. I like to do my own and my poetry. I was like, I have to now like listen to just certain types of music. And it just felt like it wouldn't be me. And Mm -hmm. he was like, don't do any of that. Just, just talk to him, just start a relationship. And I was like, okay. And man, I was not expecting (laughs) the whirlwind that was about to ensue. Um, Holy spirit came down and just was chasing me and showing himself to me in the most real way um, that I can explain. Um, uh, Right away, um, I was really terrified of being alone. Mm -hmm. Um, I would lose all my friends if I was a Christian because, you know, in the culture I was around, that's like the worst thing you can be. Sure. And um, already as a single mother, you really need your friends. And so Uh, I told that to Tom that that was one of my concerns. And um, he he said, is there anybody in the world you could think about? Uh, And I just love this story because I think it really shows how God just took care of me in this time um, that you would even think would be your friend through this. And I'm like, there's one girl. But the truth is, her and I had never talked about God or Jesus any of it. We talk about the sun and the moon and the stars and owls coming out of nowhere. And yeah, stuff, sure. You know, we were spiritual. And I said to him, I think if I even utter the name Jesus to her, she'll never talk to me again. <sighs> and she's on the other side of the country in Florida. She's like in the middle of a rainforest or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Camping okay. out with a bunch of hippies. <laughs> and, uh. um, I, I, he says, pray about it. And I'm like, <sighs> but I do. And I just am like really real with God. I didn't try to pray like everyone sure, around me. I, like sure. prayed. I was just like, hey, I really, really don't want to be alone, God. Like, can you do something about that? And um, woke up the next day and my phone buzzes and it's her, it's Carrie in Florida. And she messages me and it says, hey, do you know anything about Jesus Christ? Because he's showing himself to me and it's freaking me out. Are you kidding me? I threw the phone and I have a supernatural experience. I grab the steering wheel and I look up and tears, but they weren't tears. It was like water was pouring out of me. It was like I was being cleansed and my whole shirt was wet. And I remember like uttering, like shaking, being like, oh, you're real. And just having the Holy Spirit, like just flush over everything. And I knew at that second I was going to give every second of every day to prayer and and being in the word and worshiping and bringing people to know that feeling. Praise God. That's that's why I do this work. So I know that's a really long way of telling. No, but that's, that's, it's incredible. So, I mean, that was four years ago. Yes. Four years. Well, in February, it'll be four years. Okay. So we're getting, we're approaching that. All right. So, I mean, a lot of people have, you know, when they come to Christ, you know, they have this euphoria and it, it tapers off. Has that been your experience as well? I mean, or no, no, no. Cause I believe this is a practice just like my recovery was a practice. I had to put a lot in to stay okay. in recovery. I, I feel the same way about um, 
my faith. I don't want to say it's always perfect. There's moments yep. usually in my sin that I feel separation sure. and I want to run. Yeah. Okay. Um, but really like just being with the people all the time. I think this is such a, a thing we have to do. All of us Christians, you know, if, if God puts it in your heart at a gas station, go tell that person how much I love them. Don't let them leave without saying that. And then we're like, that's so weird. Don't do it. I'm telling you do it. Every time people are like, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that right now. Right. And that's what keeps me excited because all of these things that Christ just keeps showing how real he is. It's, it's a, a, a love like none other. So I can't get bored of it. Oh, that's so good. You know, it, it's, it's kind of been my experience that sometimes it's, it's the neediest people, the people that are most humble, the most just down on everything. When they come to faith in Christ, it's just, they're just overwhelmed. Whereas, you know, the, the more middle class, you know, people have gone to church their whole life. They're a little bit bored with the whole thing. And now yeah, they go to church and yeah, they're Christians. And when they die, they'll go to heaven, but they don't, they're not as, as excited. They're not all in with the Lord and just say, Lord, I'll do anything you want. Um, So it's almost seems like there's a, there, there's a benefit to, to, to having come through things like you did, to be very honest with you. And I'm sure you run into others that are hurting just so bad, but, but when they see the love of God, I mean, they just, they just want to give God everything. Is that what you experience as well and, and observe? Yeah. My, my, my personal experience is I, you know, I feel lucky for all of the things that happened to me mm. and uh, I wouldn't want anybody to have to go through that walk. But, you know, when they say you're born again and the veil is ripped away, it's it's knowing such utter darkness and then seeing such light flood in. Uh, that's the thing. Like, I can't live complacent. I can't pretend that this world isn't the destruction and, and what's going on around us <clears throat> in our own city everywhere. Yeah. But then knowing the truth, um, I think, really does help with any for form of complacency. And yes, I mean, when I'm working with people, I work with still a lot of people who are experiencing homelessness and addicted to substances. You know, just this last week, I got a call from a girl and we tried over and over and over again. The church has supported her quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And here she is again, addicted to alcohol, living on division. And I love that phone call. Like, Sarah, I'm back on division. I am so broken. I know exactly what that feels like, because when you're that down, there's only one place to look. And I'm like, let's do this. Let's try again. You know, let's get excited. Like that's how the Lord responded to me at what, 38 years old after all I had done. He saw me like he always knew I was going to be. Sure. So, and then there's another interesting point to this come, like kind of like middle-class or, you know, upper-class yep. Christian yep. kind of yep. has everything comfortable. I It was really unexpected. So during my first three times coming back to Calvary, to worship. First time I felt completely out of place. I look a little different than the church. <laughs> so well, you, you got a few tattoos on your fingers. It's a little bit left. different, a little bit different from uh, the typical Calvary, the typical Calvary person. And um, 
I'm expecting to, you know, obviously we all should be convicted every time we walk into church, but I wasn't expecting for God to give me a word for the congregation. And he did. It was, I think my second time going into worship. Were were you, were you a Christian at the time? Yeah. Okay. All right. Right after my born again experience. Okay. Got it. Yep. Go for it. um, Uh It's like my second time actually coming to church and, um, I'm coming alone. I, I on purpose. I don't want any of my family. I wanted to make make sure I was there because I had only gone to please my family. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna do this on my own. I'm gonna go to a separate service than everyone. Sure. And I heard so clearly, not audibly, but you know, you hear when God yep. downloads something to you, and He says, "Complacency in Christianity equals death." And I went, "What does?" I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't know what a complacent Christian was. I knew growing up. And then I've been out of the church for a really long time. And now I was like on fire. And so I talked to Tom about it, you know, and he said, it's interesting how soon I had some righteous judgment. Cause I was, you know, having these all day experiences with him and we're all worshiping at church together. Yes. We're lifting our hands and we're seeing the most amazing things to the creator of everything. And everyone looks really bored. Mm. And that bothered me. I was like, what is this? Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, I've seen such change. I mean, I think the places that we are coming to at Calvary is so exciting and, and all of that. But I'm like, you realize what we're saying right now. And we do believe Jesus is in the sanctuary. But what happened if he actually floated down? Everybody would be going. Crazy. That's right. That's but our right. faith dictates that he is there. And we're all just bored. Mm. And so I wonder, you know, I just I feel like we have to go out and go outside of ourselves. And if you don't have struggle in your life then be with people who are in struggle, mm. you know, so that you can enter into that relationship with somebody. It can be one person. It doesn't have to be a job. Yeah. You know, if, if you feel like there's so many people that come to the church that could use mentors, these are ways that we can like keep refreshing ourselves. Cause it's That's that good. newborn again spirit that really feeds you. you That's know? really good. Well, you know, I, we all are just abject sinners, but some of our addictions are applauded by our culture. That's my addiction. I, I'm a, I call myself a performaholic or workaholic type, mm-hmm. you know, where I just, I get my, my high comes from getting the job done. And the, the culture says, add a boy, go for it, Heckman. But it's just as addicting and sinful, and it's it's an idol. And I need to to really. And I, I'm, I'm we have blind spots. That's one yeah. of my blind spots. But yeah. but we need to just say we are all the, the the ground next to the cross is level. I don't care whether you you know been into heroin or or work you know as your drug or anything Same. in between. We are all needy. And Jesus didn't, he was perfect. He did not have to come down and give us. He gave everything to us. And it, the least we can do is to give everything, everything. to him. And it is, it, again, we make it the decision at one point when we're born again, but to, it's a daily thing to deny ourselves, take up that cross and say, you, you own all of me, Jesus. So how can you encourage the people watching this, listening to this, uh, to, to to do that on a daily basis. Well, again, we American Christians that have it all together, we don't have it all together, but what word would you say to, to us? So what got brought to me when you were talking is really understanding, you know, um, 
what Christ's love is, you know, love, patient, kind. The one that always gets me is holds no record of wrong. And I guess I say this because this performing thing, this workaholism, I relate. Um, I want to do everything all the way, good or bad in my life. I seem to do it all the way. Right? Okay. Yep. So yep. I'm always trying to, um, you know, respond to every email the second I get it or make sure that everybody, you know, if there's a project I'm doing that, I, <laughs> I feel all of that. It is an addiction because there's always going to be the next fix. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's never going to end. And, and then you look back on your life and it was just a lot of accomplished tasks, mm-hmm. you know? So I think when I was bringing up the thing of really understanding what Christ's forgiveness looks like, we have to remember that he has no idea what you're talking about when you come to him the second day for something that you truly repented for. Mm. He doesn't know what you're talking about anymore. It's that beautiful slate we get. So when we understand that, there's a difference between how we live each day and like how excited we are for Christ or you know, what we're doing, because I have to remember that I get to try every single day over and over again with him. And I fail at it. What I think is failure consistently. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have people now, Oh, look, Sarah, look at how amazing your life is and what you've changed. And I'm like, I think we all think this, if you only knew, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) If you you only knew, yeah. If you only knew. Yeah. I think, um, this has been brought to me a lot through my time in worship and prayer and in scripture recently is the need for the church to pull together as brothers and sisters and be more transparent with one another. Amen. Yes. Yeah. I think um, the way the church was set up, you know, and acts and all of these things, it was, you know, if you're struggling, let's say with an attraction to another woman at work and you're a married man, the first thing you do is you go to your brothers and sisters at church and say, this is bad. Yes. I need prayer. Yes. I need God to intercede yes. in my life. Yes. And um, what I see kind of being in the benevolence here, I'm in the crisis unit, right? Yep, right. And this is what happens when these, these conversations are not had over years and then everything gets lost and then they kind of need to be pulled out of this. Yeah. And um, so part of benevolence that we're doing here now is I'm starting a group that's just going to be called like the conversation. Hmm. Um, just come in and let's be really real. Let's talk about our sin with each other and just lay hands on each other and believe in healing um, and all the things that Jesus, you know, commissioned us to do with one another. Yes, yes. And I think when we start to do those things, we're taking away the dumbing down of the church in a way, right? Yep. The, and so what happens then it's it's not, it's really hard to be complacent or bored or lost in your faith when a brother or sister comes up to you and repents in front of you, screaming on the floor. This isn't weird. This is what's intended to happen. Amen. I'm just so excited to, you know, um, hear from him and just to try to create a space for this and see what he does. You know, I love it. Now that I totally agree. I, I mean, I spent so many years, Marcia and I just going to churches where you, you show up, you know, you're fighting in the car as you come there, but you show up and, Oh, hi, I'm fine. Everything's fine, 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 fine. But but finally, we went to a church uh, actually in Rockford where the uh, pastor, Louis Kanopka, I'll just even mention his name, uh, just came from a horrific background. He was the youngest of, I think, seven kids raised uh, in a non-Christian home. And he he just, he made mention that when he was a kid, um, 
he one time with his older brothers and sister and his mother, his parents fought all the time and they, it was just the situation, but he was talking with his mother and his older siblings. He said, I just don't feel I'm loved. Mm. And you know what his mom said? Mm. Well, Louie, that's because you're not loved. And then his brothers and sisters started to sing. Nobody loves Louie. Nobody loves. And he wow. just, and so he would go to school and he would, he'd have to give a talk and he'd stand up. He could talk for a minute or two and then his throat would kind of close up on him and he'd have to quit talking. And so he came to faith in Christ actually after his house burned down, as I recall. And uh, what happened was that uh, as they tried to rebuild this crummy old house, uh, there was a Baptist bus that would show up to bring kids to Sunday school. Even though he was Catholic background, his parents said, get rid of the kids. So he, we went to church and he learned for the first time that God loved him. When he was 16, he said he cried for like two whole days that, that God loved him. But, but he was such a neat pastor because he just would be so real. Yeah. And he gave the rest of us permission to be real. And that was, yeah. again, that was 20, 30 years ago. But I don't want to be in a small group where we can't be real mm. with each other. Nope. Because God is real, and he meets us at our need, which is so wonderful. So that's great. Appreciate your sharing, Sarah. Anything else you want to add before we close? Well, I think uh, holiday time, and uh, let's do this all year where um, we see an influx of people wanting to give and serve. So let's just hold that in our hearts that this is, there's a lot of your friends, um, a lot of the homeless that are laying outside, and those are your neighbors too. So that's so good. Them. I love it. Would you close us in prayer? Absolutely. Oh, Heavenly Father, um, just thank you. Thank you so much that, um, you know, we had beds to go to sleep in last night and we had coffee pots this morning. We thank you for the little tiny things that happen to us all day and all the things we forget to tell you how thankful we are. Um, please, Lord, I just know that um, we are looking to you all day. I thank you for opportunities to just share your love, Lord. We know none of this is nothing to do with me. This is all to do with you. And, and let that word be passed down to people that a hopeless drug addict um, who has a record of stealing is now um, redeemed and able to share your love in an authentic way. And I just thank you for that. I thank you for that story. And I thank you mm -hmm. for all my brothers and sisters who are out there struggling right now. Um, let them just know that um, there is a love. There is a mm. love that is so beautiful yes. and, and overwhelming. Mm. And it is, um, it's something that you will just yearn and desire for, and it's abundant, and it will continuously come down to you. So you don't have to fight for it. It's just given freely. That's right. Um, we thank you for all of these things, Lord, and we bring this all to you, Father, in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Sarah, thanks. Love you, dear sister. Love thanks you for all you do. We'll keep praying for you and, and uh, the many lives you touch. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.